Hey there, it's Taylor Ray here with my co-host Ryan. If you have story suggestions, news tips, corrections, or comments on anything we discuss on our show, please contact us by commenting on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash 1pvs2p, on Twitter at 1pvs2p underscore podcast, or by emailing us, podcast at 1pvs2p.com. You can also record a voicemail or send us a text to 571-418-GAME. That's 571-418-4263. Record or write in, and we might just read or play your message on our next episode. We're back from the holiday break, recapping the major Nintendo Switch announcements, our most anticipated games of 2017, awesome games done quick, and our video game pub trivia panel from MAGFest 2017. You're listening to the 1P versus 2P podcast. I'm Taylor Ray. With me, as always, is my brother and co-host, Ryan Ray. So we're going to get started with some Nintendo Switch news. Everything we learned from that very recent Nintendo Direct Everything from the launch lineup to more details about the hardware and the cost of it itself. But Ryan has got some pretty, pretty exciting news about the Switch. Tell us what it is, because I'm pretty jealous. Yeah, I got an email over the break from Nintendo inviting me to an exclusive event to get hands-on experience with the Nintendo Switch a month before it goes out widely to the public. Uh, I will be going to the DC event February 11th, myself and a few other people. Uh, invitees are, are going to that event. Nintendo is, of course, bringing this to select cities across the U.S. through the end of January and February uh, before the console actually comes out on March 3rd. Uh, expect some impressions around that time from me about the Switch. We'll probably record a podcast episode uh, detailing my impressions, some of the games I've played, and what you might expect from this console release. But yeah, they had a Nintendo Direct. They finally announced the long-rumored stuff about the Nintendo Switch. Basically, it's gonna the console's going to cost you $300. That's going to get you the Switch itself, one of two options for the Joy-Con controllers, the Switch dock, the Joy-Con grip. Uh, that's the center part of the the controller unit that makes it kind of transform into like a Dreamcast sized controller. The straps that are that mimic a lot what the Wii remote straps were like. An AC adapter and, H- and an HDMI cable. What are the two options for the Joy-Con? Are you talking about the colors? Is that what you mean by that? Yes, there's there's the black gray option, and there's also this really ugly neon red blue combo yeah that, that was that hideous just, so hideous i'm i'm so sorry if you end up with that combination for the switch but uh if you're desperate to have the console i suppose that uh, that is there out for you but yeah so so if you're not aware the switch is nintendo's next uh home console uh they're kind of positioning it as a hybrid handheld set-top gaming device that you can play on your tv or on the go it of course plugs directly into the tv uh with the dock um and you can, they're also selling a separate uh, Switch Pro controller for uh, probably will be better for some games. Uh, or you can use the included Joy-Con controllers. These controllers kind of are attached to the side, make, forming kind of uh, a Wii U-like 
tablet controller. And then, of course, you can uh, detach the sides to create two separate controllers, either for one-player mode or uh, they actually split off into separate Wii remotes. So, if, for example, you're playing uh, Mario Kart 8, uh, which they did announce a remastered version of that game for the Switch. You can separate the two controllers and one player can be playing with the left side Joy-Con and another player can be playing right s- with the right side Joy-Con. So the two sides of the controller are asymmetrical. The sticks are in slightly different positions on each side. There's no traditional D-pad. Instead of a analog D-pad, we're, we're now getting buttons that function as a D-pad. So there are some pluses and minuses to, th- to that. But anyway, that's basically what the hardware side of things is. Right, and uh, some real huge surprises with some of the launch titles. On launch day, which is March 3rd of this year... We knew Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is going to come out, but also the return of Bomberman with Super Bomberman R, Skylanders Imaginators, which that's just a port, uh, Just Dance 2017, and a new game that's sort of like WarioWare and something like Frobisher says called 1-2 Switch, and they showed that off a lot. There were a lot of these little quirky, fun mini games that you could play with uh, another person cooperatively, competitively. Uh, that seems to be like their their mini game collection that they're going to have available on day one. Some other uh, huge highlights later in the month of, month of March: Snipper Clips, I Am Setsuna, uh, Has Been Heroes, and a game called Fast RMX. So some new games here. I Am Setsuna, uh, we've talked about on the podcast before, uh, an RPG title. Also Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which a lot of people speculated about which it, it is indeed a re-release of Mario Kart 8 with some new characters, some new features there, so kind of interesting. Puyo Puyo Tetris out sometime in the spring, which is a very popular uh, imported title from Japan that got a lot of traction from the GiantBomb.com audience. Very, very fun uh, single-player campaign, also a competitive multiplayer game. Also, a lot of picks and... Some really funny commentary about this new game called ARMS. Ryan, can you describe it? Yeah, ARMS is basically a punch-out game. Two players play in a a kind of boxing arena using the Joy-Con controllers as boxing remotes. Play as kind of like goofy characters with springs for ARMS, and you kind of dodge and weave attacks. You can also block by doing specific motion with the Joy-Con controllers. Uh, This shows off the the right side Joy-Con controller has like an IR camera that can detect motions. Uh, It also has HD rumble, uh, which they showed in the demonstration as if uh, you can shake the controller and you can actually feel how many ice cubes are in a glass, for example. So finally, we have the technology to know how many ice cubes are in a glass. But anyway, ARM seems like a really cool uh, game for for people who are interested in kind of the like boxing minigame that was in Wii Sports. And then moving right along to the summer, a new game called Rhyme, also Splatoon 2. Very much looking forward to that game. Uh, in the fall, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. We, we saw that in the earlier teaser trailer, so people knew that was coming out. And then a new Mario game coming out uh, this holiday, uh, sometime this holiday, this year. Super Mario Odyssey is what it's called. And that, to me, looks like an amazing Mario title from what the, the very little that they showed off. It's very weird. Mario is now in, like, modern-day New York is what it looks like. New Dog City. Yeah. And then he's sort of like globetrotting, but it, you know, it's, it's an interesting perspective. There's a lot of, uh, movement where you're not only, uh, jumping off of, uh, cars and swinging off uh lampposts, but also you see sort of like characterized humans in the game, which is very, very different from 
what Mario, what we've seen with him before, which is like strictly uh, designed cartoon style. Very, very fascinating. A lot of uh, camera movement where you're you're running in third person as Mario towards the camera as opposed to uh, constantly away. So it seems to be more of like a a free roam environment than than uh, other Mario titles have been. Very, very neat stuff we've seen with that. And then to wrap it all up, uh, sometime during this year, not sure what seasons they're going to come out at, but Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Minecraft, uh, FIFA, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, Disgaea 5, NBA 2K, Steep, that's like that SSX snowboarding skiing game from Ubisoft, Sonic Mania, which is supposed to be a throwback to the original Sonic games. Also, Ultra Street Fighter 2, the final challengers. Do I have that title right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is basically a HDified version of the original SNES classic fighting game, Street Fighter 2, with some new characters, including the mirror of Evil Ryu, Violent Ken, (laughs) which I'm looking forward to meeting. Yeah, I'm not not sure exactly that I would want to be playing a game like Street Fighter 2 uh, with a controller like the Joy-Con, but we'll see if that game has legs when Capcom releases it, hopefully sometime later this year, because Street Fighter 2 is, of course, an absolute classic fighting game from that era. I saw this argument made on Twitter earlier today that somehow the very little that they've shown and talked about with Ultra Street Fighter 2, there's already more content, more characters promised than how Street Fighter 5 initially launched. Again, we don't know the, the the final price for Ultra Street Fighter 2. It would be a shame if it was at like $60 because this is just like a... Th- this game exists in many, many different forms, right? There was even that HD remix that came out not too many years ago. And, and so I thought it was hilarious that people are saying, wow, this is already, before it's even launched, already more stuff than what was available in Street Fighter 5. So I thought that was that was kind of hilarious. Yeah, I would say just generally, this is kind of a very interesting uh, launch lineup. I think for for most gamers, uh, like you and I, Taylor, we buy Nintendo consoles to play the Nintendo games. There are some third-party games here represented, but I think for the most part, we're buying the Switch as the Nintendo passport to their Nintendo games, the first-party games, Zelda, Mario, uh, Splatoon, these kinds of like core IP Nintendo stuff. And there's some other interesting stuff that's potentially like I'm looking forward to the return of Bomberman. And of course, the prices for all these these titles range from like $20 for Has Been Heroes to, all the way to $60 uh, for the more core titles. Uh, 1-2 Switch, which is the curiously priced uh, $50 for a minigame collection that probably should have just been included as the pack-in. Um, it, it has a lot of like neat ideas. This uh, they showed off like a, a milking game where you compete with other players to milk a cow the fastest, and showing off the kind of uh, gimmick nature of the the new con- control scheme. I'm not sure that many people are going to really experience that if if that game is indeed fifty dollars when it comes out. But uh, really interesting lineup. I'm I'm there day one. For, definitely for Zelda. I'm super interested in Breath of the Wild. That trailer, if you haven't seen it, I r- highly recommend you check it out. It is it is fire. Yeah, but conspicuously, we saw some other Nintendo IPs that have been completely shunned. Like, I, I think a lot of Metroid fans were looking forward to a, a surprise announcement. For me, as a longtime F-Zero fan, I was looking for something new. And, and it's kind of sad that those have been uh, left out. So far, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that they're coming to the Switch. Very excited. I think it's reasonably priced. Uh, Did we talk about the price already? It will cost $300. 
uh, with all those pack-ins that Ryan had mentioned before. The two options being one Joy-Con being blue, one Joy-Con being red, and then the rest of the console, the dock and the tablet itself, is gray. Oh, and the other color option I forgot to mention is just all gray, including the controllers. Let's talk about the the, the size comparison, because if you look online, you can, you can definitely see the screen size, how it compares to the Wii U, how it compares to the size of the new Nintendo 3DS. It's interesting because the controllers themselves are a little bit more compact, but the screen size is a slightly, slightly smaller. I want to say uh, diagonally, it's about half an inch to an inch larger than what the Wii U tablet has. So a little bit better, but I could totally see if you're playing uh, split screen, if you're playing this on the go, two people are huddled around this tiny, tiny device, that might get frustrating really quickly. Right. So to be specific, the, the screen is 6.2 inches. And when you take out uh, the tablet controller out of the dock, uh, that that screen is only going to give you a 720p display. If you have it docked in and, of course, connected to the TV, that, of course, will give you a 1080 uh, with most games, 60 frames per second. Although uh, the game that's showcasing that Zelda, uh, some people who've had hands on with that so far have already said that there has been a little bit of frame rate dips, but nothing too drastic yet. And of course, we're, this is a handheld hybrid home console solution. And we're talking a lot about battery life. Uh, in the handheld, uh, excuse me, in the handheld mode, uh, Nintendo is saying that the the Joy-Con Switch portion will only have about six hours of battery life, but that's going to depend, obviously, on the uh, intensity of the game. Uh, they they are quoted as saying that uh, for more intense experiences like Zelda, you're only going to get about three hours out of that screen. Yikes. And the Joy-Cons themselves, the Joy-Cons themselves uh, will go about 20 hours on a single charge. So uh, your mileage may vary. Uh, you know, in the in the initial trailer for this, they showed you uh, playing the Switch on an airplane. I'm not exactly sure that that's going to be a last an entire plane ride from coast to coast, let's say from uh, New York to San Francisco. It, it might be a three-hour time window might be okay for your average daily commuter. Let's say if your com- uh, commute into work is about half an hour to an hour, then it's probably okay. But I don't see, I don't expect to see many switches out there in the wild uh, on, on commuter trains or planes or anything like that. It just seems way too expensive and the battery life just seems way too dodgy. Although I will say it does charge over USB-C. So in theory, you could solve the battery life problem by charging it up to an external battery pack. And you, yeah, you can definitely still play it while it's charging. So important to note some other stuff about the hardware itself. The switch will come with 32 gigs of internal memory, but will also support micro SDXC cards up to two terabytes, which actually don't exist yet. The most common ones being 64, 128 gig uh, and so forth. Uh, You can also use a switch Pro Controller, which is very similar to the Wii U Pro Controller, which will go for $70. Uh, You can also buy a second set of Joy-Cons, so you can play four-player on one console for $80. An individual one, uh, one individual Joy-Con, left or right, uh, goes for uh, $50. So not cheap if you want to stock up on some of these accessories. I also thought what was strange was that there are actually two different Joy-Con grips. They announced two different ones, one being a standard one that holds two 
of the Joy-Cons left and right and sort of has like a little dock in the center to give you more of a traditional handhold feel with those those grips. And then a second one <clears throat> that will charge the two Joy-Con controllers as you're playing it, which I find very weird that they don't just unify it at, at once. You would think that this thing that you're holding in your hands has a battery packed when it's docked should be charging nonetheless, but it is a completely separate accessory. What do you know about that, Ryan? Uh, it, to me, it just seems like Nintendo is trying to make their money off of the hardware based on the accessory prices. Like, these prices are ridiculous. Uh, typically, Nintendo controllers uh, go from anywhere to from $40 to about $60, like back in the N64 days. Um, and I remember there being a lot of like controller shortages back when the N64 uh, first came out. That holiday season was crazy to try to find a second controller even. And... Uh, I think the same, the same thing with GameCube. I do recall that too. People had a hard time finding multiple controllers to play games like smash. I remember that. Right, right. And, you know, Nintendo has had a lot of supply and demand problems recently. The NES Classic Edition is a perfect example of that. And uh, we already know that a lot of uh, American retailers have already sold out of much of their pre-order stock for the Switch. So uh, good luck finding one if you haven't uh, snagged a pre-order already. But uh, Nintendo is probably looking to, to make money off of their accessories you know, you couldn't really buy a second Wii U tablet or a replacement one. You actually had to uh, mail your whole Wii U back to Nintendo if you wanted to have servicing or repair options. And uh, they seem to be trying to offer more options for people here, but which I applaud. But at the same time, this is like way too expensive for, um, you know, even even hardware as like high quality as Nintendo's tends to be. Uh, I can't see myself paying $80 for uh, a second set of Joy-Con. That's like, that's insane for me to just play Mario Kart with you, for example. Like, I, I don't want to pay that. That's crazy. Speaking of paying more, the Switch is also going to launch with a new online service. It's going to be free at first, but in the fall of this year, Nintendo is going to start charging for it. Not sure about the pricing for that yet, but according to Nintendo, subscribers will get to download and play one NES or one Super Nintendo game for free for a month. And those games will have newly added online features. Now, here's the thing, though. There's an update uh, since they announced it during their Direct. Uh, Polygon did confirm last Friday that the free games will only be playable for the free month, after which you do have to pay for it if you want to continue playing for it. So this is not equivalent to the PS Plus or the Xbox Live with Gold benefit where you're getting those free games indefinitely this this is only available for free for that month if you want to keep playing too bad you got to pay for it you got to shell out the money which i think is kind of a shame but you can't complain for now it, since it's free once they start charging it for it though i mean you're gonna have a hard time people are gonna be complaining about this a lot i know i will if they if they keep this up if it's really really affordable we're gonna say you know i don't know if you you can buy an annual membership for $30, let's say, if it's something lower than PSN or the average cost of Xbox Live, I could see it. But the fact that Nintendo is finally charging for online services for voice chat is something very, very new to them. So they need to be careful about how they're marketing this thing, because so far it's not a very promising uh, thing to announce. Well, and also the <laughs> the voice chat that they said is going to connect with the Switch with their online service, <laughs> you have to use it through a separate smartphone app that they're releasing. At that yeah, point, what's we up with that? <laughs> might as well just call somebody, right? Yeah, just call somebody or like use many of the free options out there, Google Hangouts, Skype, Discord. Oh my God. Like I can't yeah. believe that, that, like, that just seems so like, so 
classically Nintendo that they're going for like a 2008 solution for a 2017 problem, right? I've been kind of thinking hard about how I feel about them uh, basically giving out a one-month demo of their back catalog. You know, there are many different ways that you people can access the, the their, Nintendo's impressive back catalog. They're basically the only big video game company that I'm actually interested in playing their, their back catalog of stuff. Like, typically the offerings of PS Plus and Xbox Live Games with Gold are all older games that, for the most part, like, there's maybe one or two titles that I might check out for, like, five minutes, and then I stop thinking about them. Like, Nintendo's games capture a lot more of the imagination, right? Like, it, it's probably pretty hard to find a copy of, um, let's say, Earthbound, for example, uh, unless you have access to the, the virtual console. You know, we don't know necessarily which NES or SNES titles uh, they're going to announce for this service or which ones they're going to be available. I imagine if they want this service to be viable, that they'll release the more popular, uh, the more, or perhaps the more hidden gems. Maybe finally we'll get Mother 3 through the service. But... You know, I I think like a month to explore the intricacies of Chrono Trigger is actually quite a bit of time to play, uh, you know, like a JRPG from that era. But at the same time, like Nintendo is also looking to make money from their back catalog. And let's say that you you play a month of that game and then they offer to you for two bucks or five bucks. I could see myself pulling the trigger on that. But then if it's like you play it for a month and then to like continue on with your save game, it's like 15 or $20, forget it. Well, also uh, another thing about some online services, the Switch will not have street passing like the 3DS does, nor is it going to support the Miiverse. Yeah, I'm more sad about the Switch not having street pass. I think that was an insanely popular addition to the 3DS library. And uh, it, it added a lot of functionality for a lot of 3DS games. Uh, definitely a killer feature. The Miiverse, I'm less sad to see to go. I think it was a weird, fun experiment from on the Wii U. But I think outside of a bunch of gaming memes, uh, the Miiverse didn't really do a whole lot for a lot of people. There were some pretty good artists out there. I mean, some real, real high quality art that people did. I... I, I couldn't believe the stuff that I saw on the Miiverse. Like I was like, how, how do people spend that amount of time on the Wii U making something like that? Because it's so rudimentary, but I, I just thought it was fascinating. It's a bit of a shame because the, the Switch, it, it does have a capacitive touch panel, right? So, you know, it has that capability in there. Why they're not including it, why they're taking away some features is, is a little mind-boggling to me, especially, again, if they're going to be charging for the service. Uh, not right away, but on down the road. Uh, anything else you want to say about this? Anything else you want to wrap up about the the whole Nintendo Direct about the Switch? Well, I really just wanted to ask you if you had pre-ordered one or if you're you're interested in getting one down the line. Not at this point. You know, I, I still adhere to our advice to our listeners, to the readers of our site, is that you should not pre-order anything. I've broken that rule myself uh, a couple times last year, and every single time I felt instant regret. You know, I think it is, again, one of these... <clears throat> I think it's one of these wait and see approaches. Every time that there's a console launch, I have very low faith that they're going to resolve some uh, issues right at the start. You know, sometimes we get some some upgrades when it comes to internal memory within a few months. Uh, as far as the color options, you know, I have to say I, I am not fighting for that blue and red. That is super ugly. The gray, I think, uh, option is much better, much more classic, and and that's already been sold out everywhere. So I, I'm not dying to go out and pre-order this, but I am dying to try it. 
So knowing that you're going to get to to play this in February at, at this Nintendo press event it has me very, very jealous. I would love to see this thing hands-on. I think it's one of these consoles that it's super innovative. You, you have to give them credit for that. They're trying something drastically different. And I, I, I'm very um, curious as to the quality of the launch titles with these very bizarre controllers. People have already started posting photos and complaining about the offsetting joysticks, that it is not symmetrical. In fact, the right the right Joy-Con, the the joystick is actually more towards the center of the, the the actual device. So if you're holding it in your hand where your thumb should naturally be, they should be towards the edges, right? Where you can touch one joystick with one thumb and then also the D-pad buttons uh, on, your, on your right hand. Now, if it's more towards the center, obviously you have to offset your, your thumbs a little bit and that might be a little bit awkward. So I'm curious to see if that is indeed really uh, bad when it comes to those that design choice and whether or not Nintendo will address that with perhaps like a new iteration of the Switch. And that that's why ultimately I'm holding out for it, seeing if they will improve things, like maybe the screen size, for example. But at $300, I can totally see why people are excited about that price point because I think it's that little bit of a sweet spot. If it was cheaper, I think it would it would sell like gangbusters. But for now, three hundred dollars is not asking for too much for a new piece of hardware. Very exciting stuff for Nintendo. Um, but Ryan, you've told me already you pre-ordered it, right? Yeah, I did. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Between the two of us, I think I'm more of the Nintendo stan. Uh, I have been there for uh, Nintendo most of Nintendo's launch uh, windows for their consoles in the past few years. I was a 3DS ambassador. I managed to get a, a Wii during that holiday season. I, I got a Wii U shortly after that came out. Um, and I think that has been, you know, I've been impressed and also disappointed by some of those lineups. Um, you know, the, the 3DS I originally got because I was interested in a, a new Mega Man Legends game that was never to come. Um, and instead, what I got was uh, a you know, Nintendo's next evolution of their uh, Game Boy line. Basically, Nintendo has been super successful on the handheld side of things. And on the home console side of things, they've been less successful. I think the Wii was kind of a, a, a very big success. And the Wii U, they just really failed to capitalize on, um, you know, last year's big games for the Wii U. Like, they just barely, like, crapped out, right? Star Fox Zero, uh, Paper Mario Color Splash. Uh, the only notable one, it was probably, like, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. And then, like, that's pretty much it. They're going to release, like, a Wii U version of Breath of the Wild. But we all know that that's probably going to be an inferior version of that of that title. Um, I'm, I pre-ordered mostly because... I'm. I have to know. I'm super interested. Uh, I'm. I'm definitely. You know, the the game that I got with it is Breath of the Wild. I'm also super interested in Super Bomberman R. That game is being made by Konami. Which, uh, if Konami's uh, latest output has you excited, uh, I'm. I'm not sure how Bomberman will turn out, but I. I really like that franchise, and it's been a long time since we've seen that. Super Mario Odyssey, of course. Uh, the Mario games always, always, always are like number one on Nintendo platforms. Like usually, the system sellers uh, probably will be uh, this year's uh, Christmas event if if that does come out uh, indeed for that time frame. Uh, Splatoon two, uh, you know that's that's was a, the original Splatoon was probably a very killer game for the Wii U um, that I don't think enough people probably played, and it will be an interesting uh, opportunity for them to showcase what if they're really serious about online multiplayer. 
Uh, so those are the games that I'm kind of interested out of this launch lineup. Uh, we'll see how it all kind of shakes out for, for Nintendo. Uh, it's really, really soon, only about two months away. And uh, like you said, I'm I'm super excited to get uh, my hands on the Switch and some of these titles uh, when I go to that press event in February. And of course, uh, we will let you know when we have hand, uh, I have hands-on impressions of this console. We really also forgot to talk about two other games that were also mentioned Uh uh, Fire Emblem Warriors and also Octopath Traveler. What can you say about that? Uh, so we didn't. We just heard that there uh, is a Fire Emblem Warriors game coming out that's being made by Koei Tecmo, your favorite Dynasty Warriors publisher and developer. You know, I I like the Warriors games. Fire Emblem, a Fire Emblem game in that style, I'm super interested in. There's going to be a Fire Emblem Direct uh, sometime soon, and they'll probably go into more detail uh, with that particular title and octopath traveler is an a rpg a jrpg uh, made by square enix it looks a lot 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 like um saga frontier these kind of like older square enix classic games and uh they really just showed off a few screenshots of that no real gameplay footage but i'm super interested in that title in particular because i am <laughs> a super big jrpg fan so uh we'll see if that those game that game comes out to to fruition I pulled out my phone for this because I wanted to make sure I got your quote right. You texted me. You said, in 2017, after two years of really solid games, now we're going to get the weird stuff, which is also fun. So that sounds like that that's your impression so far with the, the Switch lineup, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, segueing into some weird games, we're going to talk about our most anticipated games expected out this year. Now, of course, some of these are actually holdovers from last year, you know, there were games that were uh, promised to be released in 2016 and, and eventually got delayed. So let's run through this list and then we'll recap some of the one, the, the major highlights that we're both interested in. So Persona 5, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which we already talked about, Super Mario Odyssey, same thing, Super, Mar- Super Bomberman R, Splatoon 2, Sonic Mania, Digimon World, The Next Order, Hor- Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, Mass Effect Andromeda, For Honor, Ukulele, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, The Last of Us Part 2, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, Crash Bandicoot, Insane Trilogy, this is the remaster of the first three, Windjammers, another remaster for PS4, Yakuza 0, Nino Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom, Valkyria Revolution, Cuphead, Near Automata, Tacoma, Red Dead Redemption 2, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, Destiny 2, Neo, Metal Gear Survive, and last but not least, Pyre. Now that I'm out of breath, need a drink of water. Ryan, give me your top three, your, your most anticipated. I'm definitely super interested in Persona 5. That game was slightly delayed. Uh, that game is coming out in April. Uh, I am very interested in the next entry in the Persona series. Very, very popular after Persona 4, uh, a PS2 classic that was remastered for the Vita in PS uh, the Persona 4 Golden. I, surely uh, the greatest title that ever graced the Vita. Um I am also very interested in Mass Effect Andromeda. That game is coming out very soon, uh, towards the end of March, basically after the Switch launch. Um, So once I'm done with Zelda, I'll go right back into an RPG. Uh, I I really love the Mass Effect franchise, and uh, I was really surprised by how much I liked the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, and uh, the deluxe edition of Andromeda is promising... um, some stuff that's coming for the multiplayer, some like battle pack type stuff. So, uh, you know, expect to see more of that. Uh, hopefully the, the powers, uh, the bionic powers will be, uh, super exciting and we'll get a whole new universe. It's, it's definitely not going to be Shepard's universe anymore. 
I'm looking at the rest of this list, and uh, probably the third game I would pick would be that Windjammers PS4 remaster. I really solid choice. <laughs> I really, really like Windjammers. I uh, managed to snag a copy of the Neo Geo version of it, and uh, <laughs> getting into buying a Neo Geo is uh, an endeavor that I don't recommend anybody go down a rabbit hole for. But uh, I'm excited for uh, this remaster to come to PS4 and for it to have online multiplayer. And we'll see if the emulation of that uh, game is any good, because that, quite frankly, is probably one of the more recent NBA Jam-like sports games for people to pick up and play. It was really, really fun. Uh, Arcade Frisbee game uh, that I am super excited for a whole new generation to rediscover. Taylor, what about you? What would be your three from this list? Well, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to agree with you about Windjammers. It's just super fun to play that in person against somebody else. Um, But also, I would also have to agree with you, Mass Effect Andromeda. Very much looking forward to that. And also very excited that multiplayer is back in that game. So uh, I've read so far that it's very similar to Mass Effect 3, which has been very, very solid. Loved what they did with that, which was like wave-based horde mode style of a gameplay. Uh, Very fun uh, so far. So very excited. Looks uh, absolutely stunning. And then I'm I'm also going to cop out and say one of the Switch launch titles, uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, out immediately when it releases that to me looks incredible you could easily say that 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 might be the killer app so far for the switch uh, based on what we've seen with the gameplay and it's an amazing open world I i love the style choice the colors the visuals it's it's really 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 something that I, they're, they're really proud of so far, especially because they're making it available on two different platforms on the Wii U and the Switch. So just very much looking forward to that. But there's also some other contenders here that I'm very interested in, like Resident Evil Seven Biohazard, a new departure for that. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, only because I have not played through one, and I got to see what all the hubbub is about. It can only get better, I'm sure. You know, Cuphead, that's also a boss rush, very difficult uh, game that's set in more like 20s and 1930s uh, cartoon style from Disney. Like amazing, amazing animation what we've seen yet uh, so far. So a lot of really, really great titles. Hard to hard to pick out those top three, but uh, definitely those those three are, are it for me. It's got to be uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, Mass Effect Andromeda and Windjammers for PS4. Well, I can already expect from this list that uh, you and I are going to be battling over who's going to do the review coverage <laughs> for that. Yeah, because, exactly. Uh, some of these I definitely do want to review, and some of them uh, I definitely don't want to review. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how this year shakes out. But yeah, I- I'm definitely excited for uh, this year's game lineup. Well, I'm going to give you some shit for putting Metal Gear Survive on this list. That does not deserve to be on here. I'm just putting that out there, all right? <laughs> we have to see what that, that game is like. It looks super campy yet so far. I can't trust Konami just yet. But anyway, uh, anticipated, I guess, because you want to learn more about it so far. All right, let's segue into MAGFest 2017, which is the convention here in the Washington, D.C. area that both of us attended last year with our gaming production panel uh, that we both uh, attended and hosted last year. This year, very different. I only came this time. Ryan stayed at home in Chicago, and uh, I emceed the Super Video Game Pub Trivia panel, which was at midnight on Friday, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And I just have to say, like, I want to say a huge thank you to anyone who listens to our show, uh, who visits our website, who who came because there were more than 250 people to five zero 
people packed in this room at midnight. I was just absolutely blown away. I'm a bit humble bragging here, but seriously, I was not expecting that number and I was shocked and very pleasantly surprised that it was so popular. And I also want to give a very quick apology because I know because of the sheer amount of people that were there, not everyone got to participate officially. I had 12 teams of four. They answered on whiteboards. I felt like the questions I wrote were were entertaining and, and just challenging enough. Try to get the audience involved as much as possible as I could. But unfortunately, you know, that that sign up filled up super, super fast. But I have to say it was a great time. MAGFest 2017, still an amazing, amazing event. If you're not familiar, MAGFest stands for Music and Gaming Festival, where they have live performers, live remixers, chiptune artists, so on and so forth. And then there's also the typical convention scene where there are free arcade games to play, console games, autographs, uh, you name it, it's there. You know, just hanging out with your friends, board games, tabletops. But the sheer highlight for me was being able to host that panel, have it been so popular, and the feedback that I got in person and over Twitter and on Reddit, in fact, I, I actually... I am lurking on the feedback thread about MAGFest, some people shouting out about that. And it's really, it really warms my heart, not only when uh, people interact with us, they tweet at us, they, they comment on our Facebook page, whatever, any way that they uh, reach out to us to tell us they like the show, they don't like the show, whatever. But to have that m- amount of people come and, and show up for something that I hosted was phenomenal. So really a highlight so far of the year for me. Happy New Year, by the way. <laughs> so far, 2017, haven't had much happen yet so far. So that, that was uh, that was really a great weekend that I had. So um, Ryan, I expect you to come next year because based on the popularity, I'm sure they're going to approve my next panel, which I will aptly name Super Pub Trivia 2 Turbo. <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can help me co-host, okay? Are you going to sell a season pass for the, this pub trivia? Well, no season passes, but I will say I have never been prouder of the Photoshop. The the If you look at our Facebook page, the, prom, the promotional art that I made for that thing, so good. I mean, so good. It looks like the SNES box art. Come on, Ryan, give me props for that. That was, that was good stuff, wasn't it? Okay, props, props. All right, let's move on from this this uh, self-circle jerk, and let's actually give our first GG of the year. Yes, GG, a segment we actually haven't done for a while. GG, brought to you by ggbutton.com. Use the coupon code 1PVS2P at checkout if you go to ggbutton.com and order yours uh, for an additional 10% off your order. GG to AGDQ, awesome games done quick for raising a very record-breaking million for the Cancer Prevention Foundation. What a phenomenal event. Not only did they break their original fundraising mark with uh, over $2 million, they were the fastest. This was the fastest event to reach $1 million. Some great highlights there. Did you catch any of it on Twitch, Ryan? Yeah, uh, I caught some. Uh, there were some tips that came out of that that I wasn't expecting. Apparently, you can defeat the booze uh, in Super Mario World with uh, like a butt slide. Uh, that was not something that I could really uh, expect before. There was some really, really high level play from uh, from s- speedrunners. There was like an amazing uh, tool assisted speedrun that basically emulated Super Mario sixty four on a Super Nintendo. That was incredible. Yeah, the 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 task bot. Yep, that yeah, that was that was amazing. What were some of the other like speed runs that you you caught? Well, the the huge highlight every year is supposed to be the uh, competitive Super Metroid run with four different people racing. That to me was a little lackluster, but it was the event afterwards, which was the final speed run of Undertale, 
which isn't done very much, but I mean, he showcased a lot of cool stuff and, and a very cool moment in Toby Fox, the developer of Undertale, uh, donating $10,000. Uh, I believe it was either right before or right as they started the run. And that was an amazing, amazing moment. A, a great way, a great way to support cancer prevention research. By the way, I want to make a quick correction. It is the uh, Prevent Cancer Foundation, not the Cancer Prevention Foundation. But either way, it was for a great cause. Yeah, there were just so many great highlights. If you didn't get to catch it live, I encourage you to go on Twitch and look at the, the videos on demand because I we're not active in the speedrunning community, but this event, which it happens more often than not now with Awesome Games Done Quick and then Summer Games Done Quick, is really a great way to, to, to get like a, a a small window into this community. And it's it's run very, very well, very funny, uh, very insightful. You learn a lot about games that you, you never would have guessed before. Uh, games from your childhood that you never thought could be beaten in, let's say, under 20 hours and people are doing it in like 15 minutes. It's just absolutely insane the, the amount of glitches and research and practice and time and dedication it takes for these people to hone their craft to hone their skills it takes a lot of hand-eye coordination i gotta say but uh, definitely gg to agdq those organizers those volunteers that help run the event gg to those because it is getting more and more popular as each year goes by and we just have to give it some absolute great credit for for breaking their uh, fundraising records. We should consider going next year. It seems like a very like, exciting event. It's very close to me, too. You know, it's it's not too far away. It's in, I want to say it's in Dulles, right? Is that where it's at? Yeah, it's, it's, it's near it's near the Dulles airport over there. Yeah, yeah it's it's out here in Virginia, very close, drivable from uh, from D.C. I definitely want I, th- I think it's Herndon, in fact. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Very close. AGDQ, GG. <laughs> Let's wrap the show up. That's it. Remember to listen and subscribe to our show, the 1P versus 2P podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn, or Clamor, or just bookmark our website, 1PVS2P.com, where you can read our gaming blog there too. Our sources for this week's stories have been posted at the link in the show notes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitter at 1PVS2P underscore podcast. Looking forward to seeing you online. As always, thank you to Phonetic Hero for letting us play his music for our show. Coffee Stomp and Super Manly Brothers X both are part of the compilation project. Chiptunes equals win, which actually had a huge presence at MAGFest 2017, so shout out to them. Uh, of course, as always, I'm Taylor Ray. That's my co-host, Ryan Ray. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
body is ready.